Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. I'm so excited to have Kim Walls on here today talking with me. She's a serial entrepreneur and founder of many clean skincare brands, which we can go into in more detail in a minute. She's also a mother of two, a mentor and speaker to other women in business and so many things. So I can't wait to talk to you more, Kim, and um, hear about how you do all these things and what it's all like. So thank you for coming on today. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I love all the great advice you're out there giving to women. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like you probably have so much more advice for all of us. So I'm, I mean, and as we were just talking about before we even hit record, you have had businesses and raising your sons at the same time running multiple things, like having your hands in in many different kind of moving parts at all times, it sounds like. So I'm just really curious to hear more about like how you've been doing all of that. And I kind of want to start from the beginning a little bit, I think, because as you said, you started kind of starting businesses from a really young age, which just is so like cool and intriguing to me personally. I didn't even like I don't, I was just one of those people who didn't even realize it was like a possibility, I think at like, you know, in in my teenage years and at least until after college. So I'm really like curious, um, because as a, as a mom to a son myself, I'm kind of always now in, I am in that mindset and I'm always like, Oh, what do you want to do? You know, you, if you could start your business here, he's only six, but just, um, you know, kind of want to teach him to grow up with that mindset and the idea that he could start a business or do you know, anything like that, that I hadn't even thought of at that age. Um, so I want to hear about how you first got started and, and also just so much more about like what it's like to start like your second business, your third business, or like be involved in all these different things once you already have things going. So that's a lot. Take us back a little bit to to your beginning. All right. Well, the so beginning beginning is uh, my father was a skincare brand founder. He founded a brand called Epicurean, and that was a garage business. So you know, we would I would put labels on the bottles and ship things out. And so I very much had an example around me. My parents were I like to say they were together long enough to love me into an existence. So very short period of time. And then my mom moved to Idaho, and I lived with her and flew back and forth to visit my dad uh, in Hollywood where he was creating his skincare brand. So with my mom, it was a a ranch where our closest neighbors were a mile away. And I literally rode my horse to school and then complete opposite going to Hollywood and going to the, you know, at the time, the Argyle club and this, and, you know, trying to help my dad promote his skincare in whatever way. So sometimes that was working out of the garage. Sometimes it was driving deliveries. It could be training doctors and nurses on how to incorporate skincare into their practices. It was when I wanted to move to San Francisco, I was like, hey, Papa, you know, Epicurean's not in San Francisco yet. I'm moving there. Can I build it out? And be like, sure, have fun. (laughs) So it was very much that sort of fluid and entrepreneurial environment. My mom on the ranch in Idaho, when she moved there, didn't know anybody, knew nothing about 
the community or anything, but started teaching horseback riding and built a whole business where she taught horseback riding and had Mm. built out jumps on the ranch and had people come and do shows there. And so very much, very, really incredibly lucky to have an example of people who were like, I want this, so I'm just going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that helped a lot from a mindset perspective. What they didn't teach me was anything at all about business, like literally nothing. Mm. Uh, my dad was actually quite honestly, a terrible businessman. Um, <laughs> so the learning of business was what I started to do by about my third business, um, understanding profit and loss statements and balance sheets and the finances of it all. That was, that was a real turning point for me. And that was connected with the first business that I didn't exclusively self-fund. So that was when my 18 years ago, my boys are now 18 and 15. And when I was pregnant with the 18 year old, there was, there was no skincare out there that had the sort of luxury and the smell and the textures. And that also was completely clean. Uh, didn't exist. Even brands that, that said they were clean really weren't clean. So that was that. Um, and I brought venture funding into that business after many years of running it and funding it myself. And when you start getting involved with the venture community, you need to know your numbers. So mm-hmm. I had an incredible mentor, um, a guy named Ken Udy, who I still, he, we're still in touch and he still means the world to me, taught me finances. Um, actually, we met at a, at a dinner, at a networking dinner, and he asked me to see the, the finances for that first business. And I had done it all. I didn't know how to use Excel. So I had done it all um, on paper with like, literally I took ruled paper and like did all that. You know, here's product cost of goods and added all that. And here are all the expenses and an entire financial book essentially done on paper. And then everybody wanted to see everything in Excel and spreadsheets. So I transferred the individual numbers to the cells in Excel because I didn't know how to create formulas or use the program, but I knew everything needed to be in a cell. Um, and I sent him that and he's like, I sent it as a PDF. He's like, great, send me the, the working document. And I sent him the working document. He was like, are you kidding me? You, how did you even get this far? I was like, I, I don't know. I just kept going. Um, Wait, but that was, that was as when you were pregnant with your first son, you said, yeah. right? So that yeah. was 18 years ago. So you'd already had like two businesses before that, yeah. having ever done yeah. anything like that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That, that's pretty impressive, I think, <laughs> to have gotten to that stage. Uh, it was really just seeing things out there that it's it's the classic story and it's really everybody's story. You see something either that you want or that you think needs to exist. And um, so you just do it and just yeah. see what happens. One of the first ones was in the trucking industry, like long, long haul trucks. There were these truck stops called Flying J. And I was dating somebody in San Francisco, but living in Santa Barbara. So I was driving back and forth constantly between Santa Barbara and San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I would stop at these flying J pavilions and they were just gross. They were like filled with all kinds of like symbology of sort of the worst of men. And there were women drivers and there were women around. And so I wanted to put something beautiful in these truck stops for women. So they weren't constantly surrounded by things that were diminishing and demeaning and basically disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I wanted that for women, I uh, made kiosks, essentially putting little crystals and 
pretty things, essentially like a, like an oasis for women on the road. Oh, and I love that. It was fun. It was really fun. We ended up in all the flying J's, which at the time I think were 28 or something. Oh and it was great. And then my first big lesson in business, it was picked up by, uh, the idea was picked up by a company called the Franklin Mint. I have no idea if it still exists or not, but they were like a catalog business that sold tchotchkes and um, they came in and put in their own kiosks as a very well-funded professional business. And wow. quickly I was pushed out of the way, but. Oh my gosh. That's how you know it was a good idea, right? Yeah, it was a good idea. There's, it took a lot more than a good idea to have a good business. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. That's a good quote. Yeah, no, that's very true. But you learned a lot from that, right? It was fun. Every single experience, I learned an absolute ton. Um, really, truly a ton. But skincare was always in the background of everything I did, whether it was when I went to school, I went to school for anthropology and studied ethnomedicine and ethnobotany. And like it was always tying back to skin. I like to say skin is my love language. And each brand that I start now or have started since that brand that I started when Owen was in my belly um, has been about advocacy of some kind like a desire to see something or create something or share a message that I think is important at the time. And sometimes those messages aren't important, right? Like at the time, clean, organic, natural, nobody was doing that. Very few people and really people, the more money people had their, their per capita household income, um, the less likely they were to be interested in natural organic products. Really? And the more education people had, the more likely they were to be interested in natural organic products from household cleaning to personal care to what have you. So the the people who are interested in natural organic has shifted. And we do have awareness now at a level where that movement has its own legs. So in truth, like I'm not that interested in clean or green as a standalone thing anymore because words out people know change is happening there are tons of people doing that and they're incredible tools to help people identify which products are going to work for them like the good face project has a great app where you can go in and put in your allergies or your preferences or whatever you know I don't like rose I love orange whatever and they'll feed you all these great clean products that's good to know yeah oh yeah it's spectacular um and then one of the more recent brands was that I co-founded was called Kelson Products, and this is men's grooming. And the big message there for me, why, why I cared so much about that is because it was about plastics in the ocean and people really are not aware. Like there's a very low level awareness around plastics in the environment, still mm-hmm. not enough to change behavior in a meaningful way for the masses, but there's really important information out there. For example, there's so much plastic waste and so many microplastics that we're breathing them in. And this is really relevant to children before their blood brain barrier is closed. Those microplastics get into the brain and they create inflammation and depression and all kinds of negative health consequences. I did not know that. Yeah. People don't really recognize yet how big the plastic problem is. health fairly aware, you know, and like, you know, we know about all the plastic in the ocean and whatnot, but did not ever hear about having microplastics in the air that you're breathing in. Oh yeah. And it's really, really damaging for children. It's uh, there's tons of data out there available now. So Kelson was a way to to talk about that. Uh, BEB organic is another brand 
where we, we try to talk about plastic awareness a lot and mental health in particular. So particularly maternal mental health. And that one all started with maybe eight years ago. Now I started um, a brand, the, the BEB organic brand. And that was only, that was sold industrially into hospitals. So hospital systems like Kaiser Permanente and Sutter Health, they would buy the products to use on babies in their NICUs, their mm-hmm. neonatal care units, because they're the most fragile babies. And skin is one of the last organs to develop in utero. So when babies are born early, even a week early, their skin is not fully developed. So that's a, it's a really high priority thing in NICUs to care, care well for skin. Wow. That's how BEB Organic got its start. And for years and years and years, it was just in the hospitals. And then it sounds like a really unique business model, kind of like you started it with the intention of selling to hospitals. Yes. And eventually launching it in retail. But at the time I was actually helping to turn around a business called Lime Crime. Lime Crime Cosmetics is a makeup company. It was a really early um, direct-to-consumer, influencer-driven. The founder of Lime Crime actually started on MySpace and went to Facebook and went to Instagram. And now she's on TikTok. Like She really Mm -hmm. carried her audience with her and started a company that the first product was a blue lipstick. Mm -hmm. Um, And she didn't know you know, the fundamentals of business and seeing a, a woman in that position is like, I've been there. We can help you. <laughs> and so we cleaned up that business and ultimately sold it to venture capitalists. Um, that took about three years. So wow, that's that was finished or really, you know, shortly before that was finished, we launched the BEB organic for retail. So it's just getting it legs under its feet. It sells at the tot or feet under its legs, I guess that saying goes. The Tots an amazing retailer. I love that retailer. I don't know if you've seen them. They're great. I'm not sure. The Tot? Wait, is it online or is that like stores? It's online. Oh, I don't know. But I feel like when I was, I mean, I was looking at, I was looking at all your brands and websites and stuff before we talked and I feel like it looks familiar. I don't know the brand. I mean, I love the branding. Like the branding of the Organic speaks to me. Like it just looks so like nice <laughs> I mean it's like cute and pretty and like it looks like something I want to buy for my babies That's awesome. it's got there's there every element of it has a lot of heart behind it so for example the reason the little characters glisten is because that has a, a very positive effect on the mind like when you see a sunset and the light is glistening over you see light coming through trees there's the glistening effect actually creates joy in us. So just by holding the bottles and having them catch the light, there's an element of joy there. And then the colors are specifically selected with color therapy in mind to be uplifting colors. And the names, of course, are just really direct because what mom wants to try to struggle through figuring out what a product's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the products themselves are built for layering. So the a huge important part of the mission behind BB Organic is to empower parents to feel confident in parenting. And a lot of that comes from communication and understanding what the baby is saying, right? From their very, they have personalities even in utero. And trying to decipher the language is really, it's hard. But it gets easier when we have touch in our lives to help us with that. So there have actually been really great studies done where. People can be touching with a curtain between them and with very high levels of accuracy, determine the emotional state of the person they're touching. So Mm -hmm. our our skin's a social organ. It helps us communicate. And if you think about 
Well, when I think about how I was raised, if we were driving somewhere, I was in my mom's lap. If she was feeding me, I was in her lap. If we were walking somewhere, she would be carrying me or I'd be on a horse, but that's, that's unusual. But the idea is that we used to have so much touch in our lives and now we have really valuable safety equipment like car seats and, and things that help us get through our days like strollers and cribs and you know, everything, there's a lot of distance between parents mm-hmm. and children now, and that's damaging to their, to everybody's mental health if it's not balanced out. So where then, if we're, if we want these healthy safety tools and convenience tools, then I, I like to encourage people to think about how can you then reincorporate touch? And that's through things like massage and of course, skin to skin when they're really little and hugs. I give my boys, I mean, it's turned into now Instead of me asking them to give me a hug, I ask them every morning, even still at 18 and almost 16, like we have morning hugs and just Aww. hold on to each other for a minute. There's a level of consciousness that I think if parents and children can have these strong bonds and these this really healthy communication and be able to listen to each other and look for those signals and those are the bonds and the relationships that set up our framework for life, right? That's how we're going to deal with our business partners and our marriage partners and and all the people in our lives and i think that there's a lot of opportunity for people to have more peace and joy in their lives if they learn how to communicate through touch that was really long-winded no i love that i love that i mean i mean first of all there's just obviously so much thought that that you put into the brand which which you can tell but i wanted to like ask more about that but also i mean i just love what you're saying like because I mean, my son still really likes to snuggle and he's six, but I, and I say to him like every day, I hope you're still going to want to do this when you're 18. Like, because I know, especially with boys, like people say like, Oh, like, you know, they just want to run around all day and like, never just come and relax with you. But mine really, like he would sit on the couch and snuggle me all day if he could, um, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> and he still comes into my bed every morning and snuggles me for as long as, you know, he, he gives me a hard time when I have to get up. I'm like, I have to get up now. But, um, you know, we love, like, we love snuggling. So I'm hoping he'll still do it when he's 18. Um, but I, I feel like I think it's very important for both of us. At least my husband's definitely always been much less of a snuggler. And it's funny, actually, his mom always says, I don't remember ever like snuggling him the way that you do with Gio when he was little. And I was like, well, I can tell (laughs) that's why he doesn't ever want to snuggle with us now, but me and uh, my son love, love it. So. I don't know. I'm so so. It's nice to hear you say that. Hopefully, that that's an important thing and like probably beneficial in more ways than it just feels in the moment. Oh no, th- no joke. So let's just get into the physiology of it for a second. With touch, um, we have higher blood oxygenation levels. We have better circulation, and that blood oxygenation and circulation means that more nutrients are passing all throughout our body. It enhances um, memory. And connection, so especially, and this is a very cool thing about product, and especially the BEV organic products connected with touch, is that scent is actually the uh, sense that is most connected with memory. So when, for example, if you're giving a, a baby massage, or you know they don't have to be babies, six-year-olds probably still have a massage, if you're using a product, and even if this starts during pregnancy, you use that same product, that scent triggers 
feelings of nostalgia, safety, comfort, warmth. We actually just launched a set called the Baby Bump Sensory Set with BEB that has three products that are designed to use for itchy skin, prevent stretch marks, and the scents will remind the baby once they're born of that comfort and safety because they can smell it in utero through the amniotic fluid. And then it helps with bonding with partners and caretakers and grandparents because it triggers that feeling of comfort. So there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot behind the physiology of how these products are integrated with our relationships and our emotional experiences and our mental health. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so cool. I love that. And it totally, it makes sense. Totally makes sense. Like I know they say like smelling something from a certain time in, in your life can trigger like a memory. I feel like you don't remember it or like when you start to like not like lose your memories and stuff. And that totally makes sense that if you can create something that like will make, make the person feel these feelings of like the comfort of being like in your womb or like just being a a small child and like loved on so much by your parents that you can then take with you through life. That's really cool. I like that a lot. (laughs) Me too. So, oh my God. So you, I mean, you obviously put so much thought into, into all of this. Where do you even like, where do you even like come up with everything? <laughs> I don't know like what to ask. Like it just, you're, you seem so thoughtful into creating all of like every piece of this. Thank you. That's an honor. Thank you for that recognition. We really appreciate it. Um, I, I just really love thinking about these things and I love reading. So just an example right now in this context of COVID, because losing the sense of smell is a symptom of COVID, there's a lot more research going into it and a lot of research that's Mm -hmm. been done that's being elevated in visibility. So the data is out there and it's, it's what I'm drawn to. I'm drawn to, I mean, I studied anthropology in school, like that's the study of people. I love the dynamics. And so I, I read a lot. Um, I minored in anthropology. I, I kind of wanted to, I obviously, I was in the school of communications and I studied PR obviously, but I like wanted to do anthropology too. <laughs> so I, I feel you there. Yeah. Well, communication is apology. I mean, that's, well, it's yeah, all no, I think I, this is yeah. definitely big. So my minors, I double minored in religious studies and art history. And so people and religious is religions are essentially how for most of history government operated. And then the art history is like the, the representations and the symbology of people in all the different forms. These things are all really work together. Yeah. And yeah. The science that comes out of that, when you sort of marry those social sciences with hard sciences, that's, a really exciting place for me mentally, like just things to think about and how hard science marries with, I guess you'd call it soft science and that intersection um, is just really, really interesting. So I guess to specifically answer your question, I did not grow up with media. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch TV ever, except for um, my mom really liked Dynasty. So Wednesday nights, not only did I get to watch a TV show, I got to stay up an hour late because my bedtime was eight, but Dynasty came on at eight and there was no way my mom was going to be late for Dynasty. So she let me stay up an hour late to watch it with her. Because um, <laughs> she didn't want to have to put you to bed first. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, so I didn't develop the habit or the interest in media. Like I don't really watch TV or mm-hmm. like the news. I get the news from reading or from people telling me, but 
I think there's a, a lot of time spent watching TV by people. And sometimes I do. And there's certainly, I love watching movies with the kids and, but it's not, it's not a default for me. It has to be like, it's an event. If I'm going to watch TV, we're like going to make popcorn or sit down or pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of time. I find a lot of time there that to answer your question of like, how do you do all that? Right. Like you're thinking about this stuff, like on a Thursday night, while some of us are binging Netflix basically. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I, I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I mean, I think of myself, I mean, I watch TV, but I think of myself as someone who watches less TV than a lot of people. And I do, I think, I think about that a lot. Like people are like, how do you, how do you do so much? Like, where do you, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm, I have never seen an episode of the bachelor, which I always see you guys like (laughs) talking about, like that's been on for like 15 years. Like that's a lot of time that some people have spent watching some really silly stuff. And yeah, if you, the couple, I mean, it ends up being a couple hours every night, I think. And if you don't do that or, or you don't care about that as much, and maybe kind of, even if it's on in the background, you know, cause I'll put stuff on in the background, but still, you know, have my computer and be doing other stuff, but that doesn't always, you know, that's not always just like thinking time. Like, I think that's something I definitely struggle with a lot is like, I've been trying to schedule in time for just like thinking, like just sitting and not, not actually having to be doing stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, just to like come up with ideas or even just like think through ideas that I'm already like kind of working on or, or want to do, or something like that. We're just thinking just putting more thought into the things that I'm already doing or or care about. really thoughtful already I mean I've listened to lots of your podcasts and you really do seem very very <laughs> I feel like I mean it feels like something I struggle with because I don't know I mean my, my son is still young I it's uh, especially in the last several years it's been a lot so I just feel like my mind is always going a million miles an hour but never really like getting anywhere like new if you know what I mean because I'm always thinking about the things that like have to be done you know the things we're already in the middle of so it's something that I that I am like I feel like I struggle with trying to like find time to just think and not be doing if that makes sense it makes perfect sense so pretty much the only time I I personally can do that is when I go for a walk. Mm. So I try not to, sometimes I listen to podcasts when I'm walking, but I try not to have any input while I'm doing that. I'll usually old school paper print out something that I want to think about and I'll sort of look at it before I go and then go walking and like thinking about that thing. So there's and that's most days. Most days I'll take a walk and yeah, try to. That's a really good idea. I used, to, I mean, I used to try to get outside. For, I used to go try to go running outside for exercise, but um, then I got a Peloton like three years ago and it makes it so easy to not. And especially this past year, I could never, I mean, I always have the kid at, at home, so it's hard to leave the house by myself, but um, that's the one downside with Peloton is I do. I have memories. I would sometimes listen to podcasts, but I would try to just do music because then I can kind of tune it out, you know, and, and, and I would get good like thoughts and ideas and stuff while walking or running outside. But with a Peloton there, there's so much there, you know, it's more active in terms of like, you're listening to them the whole time. And so I've like lost that as part of my exercise, like the, that piece of the exercise. So that's an interesting thought that you bring up. (laughs) I should try to walk more. (laughs) Great. I love it. My grandmother got me walking actually. Her life advice to me was take a walk every day. 
Hmm. That was a big message. <laughs> Take a walk. Really good advice. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. I should try. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My husband just got a Peloton. He's obsessed with it. I yeah. do. I love it. I do love it. I'm so, so, so grateful that I had it this year, especially because as I said, you know, with the, with the six-year-old, obviously everyone's been trying to stay home, but like even more. So I like couldn't, you know, can't go somewhere because I didn't have any childcare, but I do love it. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to downplay the Peloton, um, <laughs> but it's a more, uh, I don't know, a more active exercise. Well, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you when he comes up after working on the Peloton, he's sweating a lot more and breathing a lot harder than I ever do on my walks. Well, so. <laughs> but probably had less deep thoughts too. So probably we need to work in both. <laughs> but, but, on, but I mean, you also have other brands too, right? The Fortuna skin you're, yeah. you're in that day-to-day right now too, right? At so, absolutely. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fortuna skin. So BB organic, um, my husband and children run. So I started it oh. and, and we, it's out there, but it's really self-sustaining. Like the only marketing it gets is word of mouth. And wow. we, you have one of the questions you had asked me before is like, how do these businesses sort of how are they different from each other? How, how are they? I guess that was the big question is how are they different from each other and different structures. So one of the things I've definitely learned through starting off different kinds of businesses and different sizes of businesses and either being self-funding or outside funding or SBA loan funding or what have you is that the, um, the business structure needs to really fit with the market size um, and the activities. So my first round in in baby business um, was successful. We sold it actually to our Chinese distributor. I didn't want to sell it. The venture capitalists who owned the majority of it essentially just sold it and oh. I didn't have any control. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit traumatized by that. In the end, it was the best thing that could have happened, but it's traumatizing. So when this business my work wasn't done, my message wasn't complete and my message didn't go with the other business. Like I had to, I had to keep doing it. I had to close the, close the loop. You might say, finish, complete the circle. Um, And that was how that when I started a second baby business, but what I realized about it is that the market is really quite small and new parents, when you think about the beauty industry, right, it's a multi-trillion dollar industry. The baby skincare industry is tiny. It's a very mm-hmm. small market and it's really dominated by a few players. And so because I care about the brand and about the ability to put that level of quality into the world, there's a very small percentage of the population where that that's the right fit for them. Everything about it is the right fit. So mm-hmm. I set that up knowing that so that it would be sort of self, you know, on autopilot, it would really be able to survive. So it didn't have to have a big team or do marketing or like it just, it, it's there to me as a treasure for people who want that particular kind of treasure. So it doesn't require my time. Wow. To say. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, I feel like that's a, that's a, ideal business situation, right? You're running a business, but you're, it sounds like you're not like worried about like how it's doing. <laughs> like you're not going into it to make it become a huge thing, but I guess is what I'm trying to say. So yeah. it's like, it is what it is and yeah. it's bringing joy to people's lives. It's helping people and their babies and their connections to them. 
and their skin and whatnot, but it's not like something where you're like, okay, but how can we sell more? How can we get this into more hands? How can we go bigger with this? You're just like happy with how it is. Yep. (laughs) I love that. And are you, I mean, are you making money on it or is it kind of like self-sufficient? Can you share that? Like, I'm just, yeah, no, it, it's, it makes a little bit of money. It doesn't make a ton of money. I couldn't live on it in its current form, but that's not why it exists for me. Right. So you might not even call it a business, maybe call it a hobby or it's oh, a project oh or it, it makes enough money to support itself and to grow um, slowly. Yeah, that. that's how, and that's your son's, and you, I mean, you kind of glossed over that. You said your son's basically help run it, your husband and yeah. your son do it. So yeah. that's really cool too in itself. That's one of the huge values to me in it is that it's a place for us all to have an activity that we share that's business related. I can teach them some things about business. And it was always how I stayed. I mean, my father's now passed, but when he was alive, our relationship was really founded on this sort of shared love for skincare ingredients and creating brands and products. And and so it's a way to relate with them as well. Yeah. I love that you're passing that piece of it down. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. So you're spending more time on other. On, on all my time. Yeah. I spend all my time on Fortuna skin. And so Fortuna skin is also incredible and it's in its own way. Um, it's a much bigger endeavor where my co-founder Agatha Lusso and her husband, Steve own uh, an almost 800 acre estate in Sicily, which has a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful family story. So her husband, Steve, when he was 10 years old, he promised his Nona, who was from Sicily originally, but moved to the US, that someday he would find this beautiful land where she grew up because she missed it. So she would tell him all these stories, things like the goats that had spiral horns bigger than the goats themselves. And anytime you were thirsty, you could stop and drink from the spring. And and she missed it and she loved it. So he grew up hearing these stories. And then when he and Agatha started their own family, they now have four kids. They went um, to Sicily to keep that promise to go find this land where she grew up. And it's so cool. And when they did, there was a very high level of poverty there. Over half the population was unemployed. There was not electricity and cell phone towers and all these things. So they made a commitment to restore the land, to restore the community. And they started an olive oil farm called Bona Fortuna, which has no joke, the best olive oil in all the world. Like it's insane. And that's not even just me saying it's won every award literally across the world for great olive oil. Uh, Cool. So good. And so maybe I think that's been around maybe 10 years now. And about three and a half, four years ago, Agatha and I started working on the skincare concept that would use this olive oil and olive leaf water as the delivery systems for your water soluble and oil soluble nutrients. And then also capture some of the incredible medicinal benefits of the plants that are there. So for example, there's a plant there called Ancusa azuria, which hasn't been used in the skincare industry before we introduced it, but it's been used for thousands upon thousands of years as a medicine and as for both topically um, to draw out inflammation, things like snake bites and rope burns. And then also internally people would eat it and food is medicine. Mm-hmm. So we found, um, well, Mima, there's a, a double PhD, a double PhD. He's got a botany and biology, a resident botanist biologist on the farm named Mimo. 
And he cataloged all the plants that are growing wild on this land. And in looking at that, it was like a treasure trove of opportunity to create really high performance skincare. So historically in our industry, you couldn't get the level of performance for pretty for serious skincare issues like hyperpigmentation or fine lines or sort of things where people are really wanting to see their skin change. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you kind of needed hardcore chemicals to get that done. And with the way science has evolved, we're now at a place where we can take this ancient wisdom and marry it with modern science to achieve really high, you know, higher even than a lot of chemicals um, results. So we did all kinds of clinical testing um, and also consumer testing on our ingredients and also on our finished formulas and launched our first product in November of 2019. So COVID year launch and put out three more new products uh, in July, I think it was of this past July. So we're very new on the market, but it, the products are insane. They're just, they're so good. They're just, they're so good. They feel so good. They smell so good. It works so well. Oh um, and they have like a really crazy energy and spirit behind them for the transformation of lives and land that as a brand we're working to accomplish. Yeah. That sounds so incredible. So for, well, so I want you to say what some of the like actual products are, but first, but so like those plants just all happen to be on that piece of land that they found and bought, or they just, they find those else like in Sicily in general, or like, is that, that's just coincidence, right? That they happen to go to Sicily to find this land and then found all these amazing plants that are like perfect for skin. (laughs) So not quite coincidence. So the part of the land that that their current land that was known as was only about a quarter of an acre. And when they found it, like the, you know, sort of the foundation and rubble, but after they made the commitment to the community, they then started buying any land that was adjacent to that land that people wanted to sell. So over the years that land has grown and Mimo has been there the whole time working to identify the plants that were already growing there. So Yes, all these fabulous magical plants are already already growing there, and we wild forage them from the land. So, at you know, some points, we're taking petals, and other times, seeds, other times, stems. So, there's this whole process of wild foraging, and the benefit of that is that it's it's not destructive and it is supportive to the land. Also, the level of potency that comes from fresh ingredients is unparalleled. Like you just, you, when you try to cultivate a plant, it can still be fabulous. It can still bring fabulous results, but there is nothing like a wild forage plant that has survived in extreme environments and on its own in its community, because these plants communicate with each other. They share nutrients. The wisdom that's going on that we can't even fathom, I think, as humans in these plants, we're able to harness and translate into skincare There's an intermediary step that we do, um, which is to use our sound bath extraction method to get the potent ingredients out of the plants and into the oil or into the water so that we can then turn them into skincare products. Um, So there's, it's, we're wild forging the plants and then putting them through sound bath extraction where literally you put all these plants in a stainless steel vat and penetrate it with sound and that breaks apart the cellular walls and the good stuff comes out into the oil or the water. And then those become the raw materials that we use to make the actual skincare formulas. 
It's, wow. It's so cool. It's so <laughs> just cool. simple. Oh my gosh. Wow. So what was the first actual product that you guys made? It's called Porte Perla Vitalita Face and Eye Serum. So Porte Perla Vitalita means gateway to vitality. And we named that after literally the gates to the farm. So they put in these beautiful gates when you drive up and they have a heart symbol with two doves and the two doves represent Agatha and Steve um, and the, the symbol of their heart and their family. But when you open these gates, you see no joke, like the streams and the plants and the groves and the flowers and likely the two big Sicilian shepherds will come bounding up to you to greet you. Like it feels it's, it feels like the land of vitality. So that's what we named the first product. <laughs> I love it. My, uh, my grandmother's family is from Sicily, but I've never <laughs> been, but you're really inspiring me to go find a piece of land that maybe my ancestors. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my gosh. So, and what are some of the other products that came after that? So after that, we introduced three more. And so took the first one, the face and eye serum and put it into a three-step system so that you could really service the entire spectrum of skin's needs with these three products. Also, if you want to interject other things, whether it's a vitamin C or a retinol or what have you, you can also introduce that. But it's a cleansing product called Micellar Essence, um, which cleanses tones and helps to restore the microbiome, supports the pH of skin, and then followed by the Porte Perlevita, the face and eye serum. And that also addresses the eye area, which most simple skincare systems don't, but we felt it was very important to address the eye area because it's like the window to the soul, right? We see each other's eyes and they give us so much information. So we had to address that too. So it's ocularly tested by an ophthalmologist and all the products are dermatology tested and all that for allergies and everything. And then the third product is a biphase oil. So when you see it, it's like half water, half oil, and you shake it kind of like the old lava lamps, <laughs> you shake it back together. And the reason that's cool is because it doesn't have any waxes or emulsifiers in it that would then prevent other products from penetrating on top. So you have these three steps where you prepare the skin by cleansing. And when you use it with a cotton pad, you get a gentle exfoliation. And then the next step evens the skin tone, brightens, lifts, depuffs the eyes. And then the third step with the biphase seals all that goodness in. And it also has a special complex in it called Exposome 360, which uh, is specifically designed to help fend off environmental skin challenges. So air pollution, excessive UV exposure, blue light even, it's really helping with that sort of third layer to seal in the goodness and also protect. And then the fourth product, which was the, the the third that was introduced in that second release is called Replenishing Balm. And that's this deep blue spirulina rich um, and hydrous balm. So it has no water in it at all. So you can do a really thick coat. I love to use it at night and it will essentially I mean, turn back time. Really, that's what it does. <laughs> it's very healing. Oh my gosh, amazing. Cool. So in like the space of basically one year, basically about a year, you had four products. We did. Four products. Yeah. Keep in mind, it took us years of development to get to that place. Right. Okay. Right, right. It's not like you went <laughs> one and then started all three of the others after that. Right. right. But how much did you, I mean, you obviously you've been in the clean skincare space before, like even back with like your father, like, so you took pieces of that with you. You obviously must be pretty knowledgeable and know a lot of things but also a lot of people like when it comes to like 
getting things formulated. Like I would have no idea how to, I wouldn't even know the first thing about where to go to like <laughs> actually have a skincare product like mixed, like who actually makes that? It wouldn't be possible to create a business like Fortuna Skin without that because it's really complex. It's very, to make your own materials, to import them, to deal with global compliance, to market in an environment where everything is sort of Instagram, now TikTok driven. It's to, to come to market and grow fast with the level of difficulty that we're dealing with really... I'm very thankful for, I'm, I'm still making new mistakes. I'm still making mistakes I've never made before somehow, but uh, I'm really thankful for all the ones I made before. <laughs> we have to repeat them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things I was going to ask, right? was like, I mean, have you been able to figure out certain things like when it comes to business? Like, okay, if you ever start another one or like when you started like the most recent one, like. I know this, this, and this need to like, need to happen, need to be part of what's going to make this be successful. And like, definitely not going to do this. Like, do you feel like you almost have like a blueprint at this point of how to like replicate a successful brand? Or it's just been so different, like each, each time that that's like not necessarily a thing. Both is both. Like there's definitely a blueprint, but each piece of it still is its own beast, depending on time. I mean, even, even just time, the first time I made an organic skincare product, it was astronomically expensive. We launched a, you know, a truly organic skincare product before even actually I had babies. I was, I was helping my dad with things and we created a truly organic skincare product. It was so expensive. Nobody could afford it because the raw materials work. It was so hard to get those raw materials. So while there is a blueprint, everything changes really fast from, you know, who matters from an influence perspective, which retailers are important. I mean, look at, you know, Barney's is gone. All the, all the, and that used to be a really important retailer. Yeah. Died and he was a really important person. Like (laughs) Things change so much that I think you do have to really reinvent every single time. Um, Even within an existing business, when you go to do something, a project, maybe that you've done a prior year, it's important to look at what's different now, what, what, what's changed. But there are a few things that I was never really sure if they mattered or not, even through multiple businesses, PR, I've decided officially PR matters. (laughs) PR should be there from the beginning and it should always be there. PR absolutely is critical for sure. Good lawyers, Mm -hmm. absolutely critical, good bookkeeping and accounting, absolutely critical. So for all the fun things that I think most of us as as entrepreneurs like to think about, many of us tend to think less about some of those fundamental pieces. You just have to have it. You have to have it, the history, the data. You know, people will use Shopify to do an e-commerce site, but not, not install the apps that allow you to have really important data like Matrillo. I don't know what it costs. Maybe it's an extra 50 bucks a month or something. And it's like, oh, 50 bucks a month when you're just starting out. Do you really need it? Do you know? Yes. If you're capturing data, yes, you need it. You need that historical information because you will be so happy you had it a couple of years later. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Is there anything that you're like, I mean, not necessarily that like, you're like, well, you don't need to do this, but are there things that you see, especially because like, I know you said you do like mentoring to other other businesses and things like that, like that people get kind of stuck on 
like, oh, but they think they have to do certain things where you're like, you know what, you really could have spent a lot less time on that. Or like, that's maybe not something to be focusing your efforts on as much as we think you should, or or like, as people think they should. Um, logo. Mm. <laughs> people get so hung up on their logo. Yeah, like, no matter where you land on what your logo is going to look like, you're still going to change it a year later or two years mm. later. Like, there's no perfect logo and even huge, you know, even huge brands will ultimately over time change their logo. It is not worth yes. the time that people put into that choice. That's so true. I feel, I, I see people get stuck on that too. Get just <laughs> yeah. like as if it's, uh, I say the same thing. I'm like, even huge brands that you see, like they, they change. Like you don't have to go into it thinking this has to be like set in stone for the next hundred years before you like reveal it to anyone or like start using it. That's so true. Another big one is tinkering with things that are already put down. If you're doing it yourself, you're often probably going to be spinning your own wheels much more than you need to. But when you have a team of people and you make them redo the same thing over and over and over again, because in your head, it's not perfect yet. That's a hard mistake to not make because most entrepreneurs have a drive toward whatever their version of perfectionism is. And those sort of last final tweaks, most of the time, you're just making it different. You're not making it better. Yeah. Yeah. Like spending that last like 10% or 5% that you think might make it perfect, but instead it's going to be like making you take five more months to not even get it started where you could have probably tweaked over time or just nobody would have even, nobody's going to know the difference or like have thought it wasn't as good. And you could have already been making progress. Yeah. 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 That's, I think that makes sense. Are there anything that you see people do that you can kind of tell, like when you're working with other business owners, like where you can kind of tell, like they might be more like successful. I don't, what am I trying to say? Like any like kind of things that you can see in, in a person or in their brand of like, okay, like they probably will make it or like people are going to resonate with this brand or like anything like that, where you can kind of tell I, that's a hard question. I don't even know if it's making sense. <laughs> no, it makes sense. And you can tell. Yeah. You can tell. I, I, I don't necessarily know how, <laughs> but I've, I've seen it enough times now where I've been able to say that one's going to win and been hmm. right. Um, yeah, you can tell, but I don't know how to quantify it. Interesting. Do you feel like it's, I, I mean, not being an expert in that kind of thing, not being someone who's actually worked. Well, I mean, I've worked with a lot of, I get, I've worked with a lot of brands in different ways, you know, as my clients, um, but probably not as many as, as you, but I feel like a lot of it is the personality of the business owner and just like the tenacity of being able to like make things happen almost more so sometimes than the product itself or even the idea itself. Like something that's like, I agree with that. Yeah. And and it requires luck too, right? Like some things have to line up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some things have to line up for that. You can't necessarily control, but it's that classic advice, right? And it's that classic balance of, of luck versus perseverance and hard work. And one doesn't happen without the other, like the success of they're, they're equally important to get the big scale. I guess you'd say you have to have those big things, but people can have, anybody can have a successful business by 
minding the numbers and doing all the things that you recommend, right? Like get, put yourself out there, be who you are. Don't try to turn yourself into something you're not like share your story, draw the people to you who align with your vision. Like There are so many ways to have a successful business. It doesn't, I think there's an overemphasis that I'm seeing culturally on the value of these giant businesses. Like what are these giant businesses doing? Mm. to make people's lives better. I don't know, for the most part. There are some that are great, but I really, I place a lot of value on businesses that make a difference. And I don't think it matters what size they are, as long as they're profitable. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, I think that there's definitely been more of a shift towards that too. Like, I think, I think other people feel that way too, especially more now than even just in recent years, I think. I think people do care a lot more about a business that's doing something good for the world and trying to try, you know, has that authentic intention behind it kind of more so than anything else. I feel like people are excited by that and willing to spend their money a little bit more, you know, with a brand like that. And I don't know, I feel like that's the kind of I mean, maybe it's just hopeful, I hope, but that that's kind of like the way of the future that, you know, even if it's a small, small brands, brands that are really trying to like do something because they believe in it is, is going to be, there's, they're going to be able to be successful. I think it's hard. I think people often think that they're not that, you know, that they might not have the longevity or the ability to succeed, but I feel like they can, I feel like we can, we can help make sure that they do right by getting behind them. That's right. Lift each other up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I'm so inspired by you. I feel like (laughs) you such cool stuff. Okay. Can you leave us with one? I know we've kind of already, this has kind of been the whole conversation, but one of your best bits of advice for other entrepreneurs going along their journey. Best bit of advice is probably pretty boring. It's just keep believing in yourself, believe in your value, find your your confidence and believe that you are worth it and that you're enough and surround yourself with people who see your greatness because everybody has greatness that's so good what a good place to end to can you just tell people where they can um find you if they want to connect with you online find your brands or you personally whatever you want to share yeah absolutely i'm at kim walls la K-I-M-W-A-L-L-S-L-A on Instagram. And all my stuff is linked there. Okay. So everything's there. We'll find you there. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today. Welcome. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. And uh, truly, again, thank you for doing the great things you are, sharing people's messages and lifting them up, giving them good advice. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes so other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode, or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing, join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.